Uh, this morning, in light of Remembrance Sunday, we're going to take time to look at a, a passage that we've already focused on uh, through this service. We're going to look at John's Gospel. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John 15 and verses 12 to 17. Uh, the words are going to be up on the screen for us. Uh, I'm reading from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, if you want a paper, physical copy, you can grab one. So some just at the corner of yours, if you want an actual copy, um, then do take one. Uh, and Jesus speaks these what are really powerful words uh, for us today. So John 15 and verses 12 uh, through to 17. So Jesus says, This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask a father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. You know, if you were to, to argue for what is the most or one of the most popular phrases or verses in all of scripture, uh, I definitely think John 15, 12 uh, would be in contention. Jesus says so clearly, he says so powerfully, this is my command, love one another as I have loved you. And there's a danger when it comes to well-known Bible passages or verses. The danger is that we assume these verses, or more importantly, we assume that we know these verses, and we understand how is it the truth of these verses applies directly to our own lives. So we can just take well-known passages or verses for granted. You don't need to look very far to see that Christians, people, have not applied this verse directly. Um, part of it is people not listening to the words of Jesus. So people hearing this but not really hearing, not really listening to what God's word says. Uh, part of it is people not really understanding the truth of the gospel. They've not really come to terms with the significance of each word within this verse or within a passage and part of it is a kind of yeah but mentality we have around scripture um, do you know what I mean by that um, we believe that we in the situations we find ourselves in are almost like the exception to this passage and so this kind of yeah but response starts to resonate within our hearts so Jesus says love one another as I have loved you and we say yeah but you know I went out my way to be really nice to that person and they have given me nothing but grief. On this particular day, at this particular time, they hurt me really bad, and so today I'm choosing not to love them as you have loved me. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. And we say, yeah, but you don't understand how busy my life is. I don't have time to love this person. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. And we say, yeah, but I just don't feel like loving that person today. I'm not in that place within myself of being able to love. I'm too tired to love people as God would want me to love them and as he has loved me. So don't misunderstand what I'm getting at here. None of us would say this outrightly. We're much too dignified for that. But this is a narrative that's been played out in our hearts. And this is why we choose not to love people as Christ loves people. We believe that we are exceptions to the Bible. And notice we seem to be the exception a lot, which doesn't make it the exception anymore. But what would it look like 
if we really did take God at his word. Imagine we loved one another as Jesus has loved each one of us. And I believe we do this as a church family. We seek to reflect Christ's love. But what would it look like if we did this even more? Like every day just having a wholehearted, concentrated focus and being open to God's love and then loving people as God has loved us. So let me just suggest uh, four benefits, four benefits, four blessings towards loving others as God loves uh, you, as God loves me. Uh, And the first one that will be up on the screen for us, uh, to love this way is to be driven to the beauty of the gospel. So the first benefit, to love in this way is to be driven to the beauty of the gospel. Now, I was really impacted by something that Tim Keller shared recently in one of his sermons at Redeemer Church in Manhattan, New York. And he spoke of the absolute necessity for each one of us to unpack the gospel within our hearts in order that we might live lives that reflect the reality of the gospel. So this word was so refreshing to me because in the midst of a culture of doing, 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 action, 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 we very rarely hear this this notion of reflecting of being still and knowing that he is God, of listening to what God's word says before we go and do. God calls us to be before he calls us to do. So before we go and do, we must first understand who we are. And understanding who we are is not just us saying, Jesus died for my sins on the cross. We can all say that. But do we really understand the reality of that truth? No, we're called to meditate on the truth of the gospel Colossians says, let the word of God dwell in you. Let it marinate within your heart. Let you, let you get to a place where you really do get it. You really do come to terms with the reality that Jesus died for your sins. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus has given you new life if you put your faith and trust in him. So we need the right starting point. And the right starting point is to unpack the truth of the gospel. And that leads us to the right finishing point, which is loving other people as God has loved us. And so the more you meditate on the reality of the gospel through his word, the more you will understand the love that God has for you. And the more you understand the love that God has for you, the more you will love others as God has loved you. You can trace outward action to see what has been priority within your heart. Whatever you say and do, that that is always connected back to something that's going on inside. So when you choose not to love someone, You've already failed to understand the love that God has first shown you. And failure to understand God's love for you is failure to understand the reality of the gospel. It's not been unpacked in your heart, as Tim Keller says. I'm a minister, and one of the drawbacks of being a minister is that I miss out on watching, and some of you might disagree with this, what is the greatest television show of all time? Match of the day. Um, I don't watch it because it's on so late on a Saturday night and Sunday mornings are Sunday mornings and we're so busy and if you disagree it's the greatest TV show of all time you have to agree it's the greatest TV theme tune of all time everyone knows the tune my love for match of the day coincides with my love of five-a-side football so I've been playing fives for over 20 years now that sounds really scary but it's true I've been playing fives for over 20 years And you might think I'm really sad, and I am. But I used to sit and watch Match of the Day with the intent of applying what I'd learned on Match of the Day on the five-a-side pitch. 
So my favourite ever match of the day player, Premier League player, was Thierry Henry. You might be surprised by that. Some of you get no idea who I'm talking about, which is totally fine. We can pray for you later on. Um, but Henri would do things with a football that I've never seen before. He was not just a great scorer of goals, he was a scorer of great goals. That's all by the by. Um, back in the day, I would record Match of the Day on my VHS, so this is how long ago it was. I would watch Thierry Henry do a dummy or drop his shoulder or do a turn. Uh, and then I would try and imitate it. Um, something I'd never seen before, I would rewind it, I would watch it again, rewind it, watch it again. And then I'd say, right, I'm going to try and do that on Monday night or on Thursday night. So I was basically, rightly or wrongly, meditating on football in order to be better at football. And some of you might say, having watched me, you're not meditating hard enough, Mark, and that's probably true as well. Um, but I'm sharing this because the same principle applies when it comes to something that's way more satisfying, something that's way more fulfilling, something that's way more exciting than a silly game of football. So what I'm getting at here is this, if you meditate gospel, you will live gospel. So let me say that again, if you meditate gospel, you will live gospel. If the gospel is playing over and over again in the VHS of your heart, then you will live the gospel out on the pitch of life. When you live gospel, you get God's love. You really understand what God's love is. And you will love others as God has loved you. When I really understand the reality of verse 13 of our passage, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. I'm grasping a beautiful picture of the gospel and I'm also seeing that the gospel and God's love go together. And I'm not just seeing the connection between the gospel and God's love, I'm also seeing the connection between the gospel and God's love and me as a broken person. I'm seeing how it is that this gospel love alliance directly applies to me, Jesus lay down his life for me. And when I understand this, then and only then will I apply it to others. And in the power of God's Spirit, then and only then will I actually live and daily live my life for other people in light of the love that God has shown me. So the Christian who loves the unlovable is a Christian who understands the Gospel because that's a picture of God's love towards each one of us. Each one of us were unlovable and yet God loved us. And the Christian who only loves those who love him back or her back, or the Christian who doesn't love, or the Christian who very rarely loves, is the Christian who at best has a shallow understanding of the gospel, or at worst, a heretical or completely incorrect understanding of the gospel and its power. There's every chance that person is no Christian at all. We need to understand the significance of the gospel in order to live gospel lives. So that's the first point. To love this way is to be driven to the beauty of the gospel. And number two, to love this way is to give you a bigger and a better perspective. So something happens when we love. We're given a real perspective on life. We understand life as it really is. So if you love, if love gives you perspective, to not love gives you a skewed, a distorted picture of your own life, of who God is, of who God calls you to be. You know, if I'm not loving someone as I ought to love them, more often than not, the reason for that, although not all the time, is down to the fact I'm offended by someone. I'm offended by something that they've said or done. 
I choose to focus in on this comment they made or something they did or they didn't do, which then in turn causes me to be offended, which in turn results in all of the good around that particular person getting thrown out of the window so that it's just me and this thing that I'm offended about. The result is, when I think about that person, all I can think about is the way in which I'm offended by them. This is what you call a skewed, a distorted picture of life. I don't know if you're offended by someone in your life today. I don't know if you're offended by someone in your life. Maybe it's you're offended by someone in your family. Maybe you're offended by someone in your social circle. Maybe you're offended by someone in your workplace. Maybe you're even offended by someone in this room right now. And maybe, just maybe, you quite like being offended. You know, we indicator that you're offended is if you have imaginary arguments in the shower. You go through these scenarios and you start to work out what you should have said or what you would say to this person or to that person. Does anybody do that? Is it just me that does that? <laughs> so I hope we understand this is not how God calls us to live. But something happens when I replace that offence with love. Suddenly I've got proper perspective. Suddenly I see the offence in light of everything about that person. And even if there's not much good within that person, even if they've not been a blessing to me personally, when I choose to love them, I see them for who they really are. A person that God created. A person that's been made in his image. So love really does reorient our heart so that we have perspective. We have an accurate picture of who we are, who God is, who God calls us to be. So number two. Number three, to love this way is to become the best version of you. Now, I totally recognise this sounds like some cheesy soundbite from a prosperity preacher, but God really does want you want to make you into a person he has called you to be. He really does want you to become the best version of yourself. So love diminishes the flesh life and it cultivates the spirit life. God calls us to be men and women who are full of the Holy Spirit. So look at what we read in 1 Peter 4 in verse 8 and it will be up on the screen for us. Peter says, Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. So constant love covers a multitude of sins. The picture you have here is sin being the wound and love is like the plaster of a bandage. The longer that plaster is applied, the quicker that wound will be healed. So if we are affected by sin in our lives, if we receive love, if we give out love, then these wounds of sin will be healed a lot more quickly. And in the same way, the more we love, the more we will be healed of the wounds of sin. God's forgiving love towards us enables us to show our forgiving love towards others. And the result is a removal of the sting, the pain that sin brings, both within our individual lives, also within the corporate family of the church. Just that pain, that agony of sin, no longer exists if we choose to love and if we receive love from other people. See, sin damages us in two different ways. Sin is something we do and sin is also something that can be done against us. And it takes God's love towards us and God's love working through us to overcome the destructive power of sin in our lives. So 1 Peter is really important 
as we understand what it means to love and to become the best version of ourselves. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14, or 12 through to 14, <clears throat> Paul really unpacks what Peter has shared here in this passage with much more detail. So Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is a perfect bond of unity. So look at these words from Paul here in this passage. And I want you just to imagine that this was your own life. So I would even encourage you to look at this passage and to put your name in this passage. Just to give you an example of what I mean by that. Imagine that Mark Morris, with all that he was, knew that he was one of God's chosen ones. Mark knew that he was holy. Mark knew that he was dearly loved. Imagine Mark knew this and it resulted in him putting on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Imagine Mark chose to bear with others. So even though others might mess him up, wind him up, talk about him behind his back, he chose not to throw them under a the bus, but instead to bear with them. And in bearing with them, Mark forgave them, just as the Lord had forgiven him. Above all, Mark chose to put on love, which resulted in this perfect bond of unity. So I've applied this to my own life. But imagine I actually did that. You know, it's easy enough just to read that and to, to put your name in the verse. But imagine you chose to do that tomorrow, today, tomorrow, the day after. Imagine how it is that God would work in and through us if we all chose to do this. If we all actively embraced this call to love and let go of offence so that we might become the best version of ourselves. So through Paul, through Peter, through Jesus, we see that love gives us perspective. It shows us what's most important. So number three, to love this way is to become the best version of you. Number four, to love this way is to open the door to an incredible friendship. So let's just remind ourselves of what Jesus has said here in this passage in John. And in particular, verses 15 to 16, Jesus says, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. So it's an incredible truth. We are called to work in partnership with Jesus. We're partnering with Christ to fulfill the mission of Christ. There are four incredible realities from this passage, this friendship with Jesus. We read that everything that he has been told from God the Father, he has told us, and it's found through his word. We read that he has pursued, he has initiated this relationship. God desires to be in relationship with every single one of you. I mean, that's, that's exciting, that's encouraging. I remember getting an email from a fairly famous person and I was really excited about this, which is pathetic when you think about it. In light of who Christ is, he is the one who doesn't send us an email, he sent his son. 
And he wants to initiate a relationship with each one of us so that God might live within us. He pursued, he initiated this relationship. We also read from this passage that the end goal of this relationship is one where we produce fruit. Fruit that will last to eternity. Fruit that makes a difference in this life and fruit that has an impact that we cannot see right now. Way beyond anything we ever dared to ask or imagine. And we read that this friendship results in answered prayer. Something really powerful about answered prayer. God doesn't always answer our prayers. But the more and more we are in line with God's will, the more and more we are connecting with this partnership with Jesus, I do believe the more that God will answer prayer. Because we're just in tune with his will, with his plan, with his purpose. Imagine we were so connected to Jesus, we were led by the Spirit to pray in the Spirit so that his will would be accomplished in the power of the Spirit. What an exciting life it is. That's an absolute joy to know that God is calling us into this path. You know, I don't want you to miss out on the fact that you're in partnership with Jesus. That's not me saying you're equal with Jesus. But the extent that God works through you is the extent to which you surrender your life to him. The extent to which you love sacrificially is the extent to which you receive his sacrificial love. Are you open to this? Are you willing to surrender your life, to let go of the things of this world and to pursue him wholeheartedly so that he might work in incredible ways for you? Partnership with Jesus. You know, we're going to start this evangelism initiative on Sunday the 24th in a couple of weeks' time. And I just want to encourage you as you think about reaching out to those who don't know Jesus to recognise that you have a responsibility today to be open to the power of God in your life. You have a responsibility today to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. You have a responsibility to let the roots of the gospel drive deep within your heart. And I say that fully aware that some of you are perhaps not aware of this. You haven't realised this. We kind of live in a strange era of Christian history where we believe that we are somehow, we're able just to float or to coast into the good works that God has called us to. And that's nothing could be further from the truth. This is anti-Bible. God calls us to be open to him and for him to work in and through us. But it takes dip- discipline. It takes a decision within yourself to move in that direction. And it takes you relying upon his power day after day. The love that we've talked about this morning is rooted in a partnership. It's incredible. The God of the universe wants to partner with you and I today. As he has loved us, we have a responsibility to be open to his love and in his power to love others in the same way for the sake of seeing lost people saved. This is why the 24th is so important. This is why we would highly recommend you buy uh, one of the books, The Three Circles, which points us towards how we can be effective in engaging the lost with the good news. Because God loves us, God wants to work in and through us, so that we might see a a community transformed in the power of the gospel. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. 
Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our very weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. This famous we hymn asks the question, what if? What if? What if we really did believe and live in the way that God would want us to believe and live? You know, imagine what God would do if you really did take him at his word. We're going to respond now in a time of worship. And during that time of singing together, you can respond in one of two ways. You can come to the table this morning. And as we have remembered the sacrifice of many, we can remember the sacrifice of one. Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. We take this bread, we, we remember his body that was given to each one of us. We would invite you to take that bread to break it, to then dip it into the cup, to remember his blood that was shed for each one of us so that we can truly understand and recognise that Jesus died for our sins. He has risen from the dead. He has given us new life. If you have faith in Christ this morning, we would invite you to come to the table to take this bread to then dip it into the cup, to remember his sacrifice for you and for me. If you would like prayer, there's space here at the front. Um, if you would like prayer to receive Jesus for the first time, we would count it a tremendous privilege to do that, to pray that you would turn from your sin and turn to him and believe that he has the very best life for you today, that he would transform your heart so that you have new passions, new desires, a longing to live for him all your days so that you might get to the end of your life and hear these precious words, well done, good and faithful servant. This is a, a call to each one of us. If you haven't put your faith and trust in Christ today, then come to the front and receive prayer. Also, if you're feeling overwhelmed by a situation in your life, a circumstance, then again, come to the front, receive prayer for that. We can't promise that situation will change. But we are confident that God will give you the strength and God will use this time to speak to you in a very clear and powerful way. If you need prayer for healing, if you're struggling with a pain or an ache or an illness, again come to the front and receive prayer for that. All of this, all that we've looked at today, really directs us towards the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of the gospel, the difference that he can make in our lives. May we make the most of all that God calls us to be. Let me pray, and then we're going to respond in worship. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that as we have reflected upon this passage, we would truly come to terms with what it is that you're saying to us. Help us, Lord, to respond in faith today. Help us to have the courage to step forward, to receive salvation, to receive prayer for a situation we're facing, to receive prayer for healing and illness and an aching, um, a pain. Lord, we pray that this would be a, a time where your spirit is here, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And Lord, we long to be a church that is open to the work of your spirit as we are pointing towards you and towards your grace. Would you do a work in our hearts and minds now? We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.